0: Welcome back to another edition of Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks Live. Um, my name's Michael Singh, and here in, in lieu of Mitchell Tierney, who's <laughs> obviously in this thing uh, today, so we're down one of the three musketeers. But, you know, it's still us, too. I'm joined by, on my left here by Jeffrey P. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this. I always like it when it's just the two of us, because we get more to say, but i uh, you know, one of these days we're going to get into a rip roaring argument and there'll be no Mitch to, to separate us. So, yeah, seriously. <laughs> hopefully that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have a ton, a ton, ton to get to on, on today's show. Like, we have a lot of Toronto Sea content, a bunch of news coming mm-hmm. up of camp. Um, of course, we have some Canada soccer news. And we're also super excited to be joined by Megan Johnson, who's Done some terrific work there for TSN covering the She Believes Cup and the Canadians women's national team. So we're super mm-hmm. excited to welcome her to the show. You know, in a couple of minutes, uh, she'll be joining us. So, um, but yeah, let's let's dive right into things. And yeah, Jeff, let's let's go. I think it's it's important that we we start at the top of the show with the TFC BIPOC Coalition statement. Um, I agree. That was you know put out by the club yesterday. And essentially, for some background information, is TFC uh, it looked like TFC asked the their BIPOC coalition, who we've had on in the past, you mm-hmm. know in earlier episodes, Mike Newell and Company, um, to put together really a statement about what it mean, what Black History Month means. Um, I, I won't read you the the entire statement that they put out.
1: Um, Can you? you guys, I tried once and I think that's as, that's as far as I'm going to go. It's a bit blurry. <laughs> my eyes, my <laughs> eyes ain't what they used to be. But, uh. <laughs> that's really
0: funny. No. Um, yeah, no, it, it's pretty legible here, but it, it is a oh. lot. So I won't, I won't, you guys should, should check it out for sure on Toronto FC's uh, social media channels and we retweeted it ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what I wanted to get to is that they decided the, TFC Black Black Coalition, is they decided not to use the statement as, as a message to really explain what Black History Month is. We, we've seen, all seen what what 2020 has, and it, it's really been a, a year of change, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen a lot of action being taken, and that's what they were sort of echoing, is that it's, it's not really about, like, I'll read, I'll read the end quote they have. They said, going mm-hmm. forward, Black History Month should not only be a celebration of the past, it should be an opportunity to build a future that should consist of measurable goals to end systemic racism. Together as fans, we can help advance principles of equity, diversity, and inclusion and change the game. Yep. And, of course, in their, in their you know, uh, statement, they, they, they cite... Outline
1: their, all the different ways that they've been able to change the game in a very, very, very limited amount of time. I mean, my hat's off to these guys, really. Uh, my hat's off to the organization. My hat's off to the BIPOC fan coalition. Uh, let's go through the greatest hits. I mean, they, they, we've got a revised fan code of conduct, which we know was uh, something Huge. they wanted to do because, because we spoke to them when the, when, the, when the coalition was just basically fresh out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, cultural nights uh, that aren't entirely military-based is a great idea. Um, you know, it's, it's a good thing and it's inclusive. Uh, that change the game. That's Thirty huge. million dollars over over four years. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's twenty million more than MLSE paid for the franchise in, 20, in 2007. <laughs> is it so, something like that? Yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's a that's a huge deal. Um, I you know, actually. And these are.
0: Yeah, I actually par- spoke to one thing I want to add to that is I actually mm. spoke to Ali Curtis. I had the opportunity okay. to talk to him last month, and I was asking about you know TFC's commitment to. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that I posed him is Do you think that this sort of has resonated onto the fan base, um, the club's commitment? Because they're mm-hmm. obviously leading by example. And to his credit, he was pretty honest with me. He, he said, You know, with the pandemic, it's, it's hard to really get a grip on, on what the, the fans' base is really feeling because, you know, he's not dialed into social media and whatnot. But he said he'd like to believe it it, it would. Right, mm-hmm. And, of course, we talked a little bit about the TFC BIPOC coalition, and I think these sort of actions by the TFC BIPOC coalition, a committee made by fans, I think it does answer that question. And it absolutely has resonated onto the fan base and, you know, all the credit to and what they've been doing there on that end because... Uh, it again, It's really important that we start the show off on this now because this these are our values. These are what we also believe, and this is what mm-hmm. you know we, what should be happening. We should you know get behind everyone trying to make a difference and, like they said, change the
1: game. I'm not going to be a fool. I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that that you know systemic racism and and issues of that ilk are are alien to us here in Canada and Toronto. But I am going to say that Toronto is a very diverse city, and this. Makes me even prouder as a Torontonian because I love seeing our diversity in action. I love seeing uh, uh, our, you know, the the way that we've chose to to organize ourselves as a society paying dividends, and uh, these are some serious dividends. I mean, you can't you can't front on this. Uh, a, a revised fan, a fan code of conduct has been a long time coming, um, and that that investment of the thirty million dollars towards all kinds of different grassroots things is just unilaterally fantastic. So Fantastic. Yeah, and
0: that's just, that's just part of what Toronto FC is doing. There's so much more behind the scenes and I, there's so much more to come out because Ali Curtis hinted to me that this is sort of just the beginning of what they wanted to mm-hmm. do. And we're excited to see where this goes in 2021 because, you know, I, I have an, an article come about on, coming out about this, uh, you know, later this month. No, but I can't wait to read it. Nice. it. It's about TFC's commitment to diversity and how I believe that that was their biggest success in 2020. And I'm betting that in 2021 they they back that right up and they they continue that movement because, like I said, that this I really do believe that this is
1: just the beginning of what they're, I have no doubt they're trying either. to do. I I totally agree with you, and and I'm so I'm just blown away, blown away by by what's been achieved so quickly.
0: Um, all right, yeah. Let's let's move on. Let's let's talk some some training camp news and <laughs> training get, camp news. Here we go. Yeah, we didn't get to it last week. But <laughs> um, Eric Zabaleta, he mm-hmm. looks like he's on the verge of re-signing with Toronto FC. Uh, Christian Jackson awesome. reporting that a deal is done and just uh, pending an official announcement. Um, initial thought there, Jeff, on, on the move.
1: Awesome, awesome. Let's not forget he is a MLS Cup champion. He knows the system. Again, it's an outgoing system, but he knows his teammates. He's re-signing for less, so that eliminates the 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 nastiness that was incumbent on him getting the, the post-MLS Cup win uh, salary bump that, that Bezbachenko was sort of throwing out to everybody, say, for Stephen Bateshore. Go ahead. He's re-signing for less? I'm assuming he's re-signing for less. I mean... He was making a lot of money for a yeah, third yeah, string yeah. center back, right? So $300,000. Uh,
0: was mm-hmm. roughly his salary budget hit in 2019. Probably took a little bit of an increase even in 2020.
1: Um, probably. What is I Kevin imagine that less. it probably is
0: Yeah, probably is slightly less, but um, TFC fans weren't taking the this news to. they weren't too welcoming to this news, were
1: they? Let's put it this way. Do you want to pay? Let's just forget about the numbers. Would you you rather have your third string center back be an entirely new proposition or your third string center back be somebody that's both comfortable in the system. uh, And again, with the, with the asterisks that the system is undoubtedly going to change uh, who knows the team, who knows the city and isn't going to really, Uh, uh, stiffen at the prospect of playing away for six months in East Hartford or whoever, uh, uh, wherever we end up playing Tampa Bay, Um, you know, and even, even independent of the pandemic, let's say that there is no pandemic. I still think it's a smart move. Um, A bird in the hand is often worth two in the bush. And uh, you know, it's not so long ago again, to call the, to call back to the beta debacle, uh, where you know we wanted to upgrade everywhere and anywhere, and we ended up with Agar Akeche and Gregory Vanderveel. So so, you know, relax, guys. Um, he's a third string. He's a third string center back. Um, you know, he's again. I, I I think he gets. I think he gets a real short shift with TFC fandom. Right. Some of it comes from the from the Uncle Greg stuff, which is now uh, in the rear view. Uh, and some of it just comes from the fact that you know maybe he's just fun to hate on, right? Like he's a good-looking guy with a with a nice smile, you know. Like maybe <laughs> all he's just all right. maybe he's just roll
0: there, Jim, yeah, yeah. get a little too yeah. carried away. All but right, no, all right. Fair, fair point. He is. He has become the TFC whipping boy. And yeah, Jeffrey. we are talking about Eric Zavalada who mm-hmm. is uh, on the verge there. Yeah. Of I also love this
1: when people um, don't put the the hyphen, so resigning becomes resigning, and then it's just the <laughs> <laughs> some people's biggest pet peeve for sure. But I it's pretty common, anyways. Um,
0: mm. Eric Zavalleta, like he's going to be pl- asked to play a bigger role this year. Um, something we've seen him do in the past. He has hasn't been able to sort of fill that role for the past three seasons. There are question marks for sure. There, I think that. It's fair to say that. Um, can mm-hmm. he get back to his 2017 form, which I think saw him start 27 of 29 games and four playoff games on, you know, on route to TFC's best season ever and arguably the best MLS season in history uh, by any club. So, Eric Zavala played a crucial role in that, and let's not forget he's only 28 years old. So, at that price, where are you going to get the amount of experience that Eric Zavala brings along? Exactly. The- along with what he's already, you know, settled into Toronto. He knows, this, like you said, he knows the system, he knows the players. And TFC, are they're bringing back a consistent roster. I think only two players mm-hmm. aren't coming back from, from last season. So, um, again, question marks. Can he step up and, and refine that form? Because he will be asked to, to take on a bigger role this year. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But he did show positive glimpses towards the end of last year when he was paired with, like, a Chris Mavinga. At the mm-hmm. back, um, so perhaps he he can't do it. But yeah, enough yep. Zab talk. Let's let's. Move uh, on. Megan's
1: here if we wanna if we wanna bring her on. Absolutely, and yep. uh, and then move on to the other stuff at the tail end. Uh, Great show. Just because I see her, I see her waiting. Super there exciting. we go. <laughs> hey, Ooh, I like this framing. That is a, that is a nice. <laughs> yeah, she's oh, one. <laughs> upping. That's
0: for sure. She's one upping. Sure. Um, of course, we're joined by Megan Johnson, who um i told you this you know privately but i'm super big fan of your work and what you've been doing covering uh the she believes cup and the canadian Women's national team and um thank you yeah by the way for joining us super yeah, excited to you have sure. you
2: absolutely thank you guys for having me and for again for your kind words really appreciate
0: it hey, <laughs> It's it's deserved for sure um absolutely but let's get right into it and i want to talk a little bit about uh canada of course and what they've been doing there at the Sheep leaves cup and vanessa vanessa gilles right am i pronouncing mm-hmm. that right yeah um,
1: i think i
2: think it's gilles without the s for vanessa the gilles. for the french pronunciation yeah
1: yeah okay cool gilles? Um, vanessa Gilles, right
2: yeah exactly right <laughs>
0: Well, anyway, she's become she's gonna, she might become a household name, and people are gonna you know learn how to pronounce her name based on <sighs> the way she's been performing. Um, yeah. But she's been you know create a little bit of problem there at the back for for Beth Priestman. And you know when after her showing up against the U.S. when this team is fully healthy, where do you see Vanessa slotting in there?
2: It's an interesting question. And one I thought of after her outstanding performance against the States, I will say, you know, I really didn't know too much about her. She's been on the roster fairly consistently for the past couple of years, but prior to Thursday, just had the two previous appearances. Um, but it's it's a good problem for Canada to have, I will say, because when we knew that Kadisha wasn't gonna be at this tournament, we we're like, okay, we have Zdorsky, who's partnering with her? Is it gonna be Quinn? Are we gonna slot Schmidt back to center back? She's played there. Um, and I will say, Jill didn't even really pop into my head as an option, but she is absolutely an option now. Um, I think it's hard to replace that partnership of Buchanan and Zdorsky. I don't see Bev breaking that up when Buchanan is back in the mix. But again, knowing that they have that depth now on the back line and at centre-back specifically, again, it's a great problem to have. That Okay, we have three really strong options now to slot in at Mm centre-back.
1: Do you see a three-at-the-back situation maybe against some of the teams where that would... uh that might be a benefit?
2: I don't know. I I will say I was never a big fan of the three in the back. I know uh, Kenneth Heiner-Muller really liked his 3-5-2 formation. Um, Mm -hmm. It it worked against some of the the lower CONCACAF competition. Um, They could get away with it then, but they got burned quite a few times. It happened in Sweden and the World Cup, uh, yeah. most notably. Um, but even I think the first time Heiner Muller rolled it out was in the friendly against Germany in uh, mm. 2018. And literally the first minute of the game, Germany scored. Uh, so I'm personally, I'm I'm just not a big fan of three in the back. Um, no question, Canada, their back line is really strong. It's probably their, their strongest element, but uh, I just, it's... <laughs> it it, it creates, pro- yeah, it creates a lot of problems. So <laughs> yeah. I, I would shy away from the three in the back line myself.
1: Mm, you're talking to TFC guys on that three-five-two. Maybe won us the MLS Cup. So uh, we, we sort of <laughs> right. Like, um, uh, who else impressed, and and, and uh, you know, on the flip, who who may be disappointed?
2: Um, Quinn, I was really impressed with in their first game against the US. Um, will so you know. Quinn is another player where they've slotted in at different spots. Um, they've played on the back line, they've played in the midfield, but I thought Quinn in the midfield was fantastic. They were disrupting the American attack a lot and really allowing Fleming the freedom to do Fleming things and to create that attack, which was great. Um, it was unfortunate that Quinn did suffer an injury in training. Hopefully they are okay and we can get to see them in Wednesday's match. I think that would be great. Um, Sarah Stratagak is too, obviously, she scored Canada's lone goal so far. Um, But I think her goal is kind of an epitome of who she is as a player. She's just that hard worker. She has that grit, that Canadian grit that we love to talk about. Um, So I was really happy to see her get that goal, having not been a part of the senior team since 2017. That was really great to see. Um, I won't say disappointed, but I would really like to see VN score, Evelyn Vienne. I know there's a lot of buzz about her. So many people were so thrilled to see her get her first call up oh, to yeah. the national team and get her first international experience. Um, I think it's a matter of time with her, knowing just her prowess as a goal scorer. I don't think we need to press the panic button quite yet that mm-hmm. in two appearances and not even starts yet for Canada, she hasn't scored yet. Oh. Um, I think good things are coming from her for sure.
1: Yeah, would you chalk that up to to the fact that she's not playing with the with a good with the proper mix of of players that would support the or kind of game that she plays up front, or just opportunity?
2: I'm not sure if it's a question of personnel. I think it just might be. Um a matter of her adapting to the international game. Um, I had the chance to talk to her in the weekend and she said what she's learned so far is uh, on the international stage, it's a lot quicker. And she said she needs to just Mm. learn to to release the ball that second earlier, get that touch in a second earlier. So I think it's just a learning curve for her. Um, This is a completely new stage for her and maybe what she's used to doing at the club level with Paris FC or even before that, not only with Sky Blue, but in her collegiate days it's just again okay maybe what i was doing doesn't quite work on this mm-hmm. stage so i need she just needs to to figure that out really
0: yeah that's interesting and she could be the answer to this next question but yeah Megan, <laughs> great segue <laughs> canada's biggest problem is still very much their inability to score mm-hmm. and you know what is going on from a goal and is there someone that- you know, other than Christine Sinclair that can consistently put the ball in the back and net for the Canadians.
2: Right. You're absolutely right. That that dark cloud that has been hanging over Canada for how many years is. <laughs> yeah. If it's not Sinclair scoring the goals, who is? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Canada yeah, hasn't really done a lot to dispel that in this tournament. Um, I will say to try to look at things glass half full they're creating a lot of chances and that hasn't always been the case with the team um they're creating some great a chances especially against the americans yeah, um yeah. if i were to look back at their previous match prior to thursday against the americans which was in the uh olympic qualifying final they did mm-hmm. next to nothing offensively mm-hmm. in that game um heiner muller had them playing with five at the back in that game, which was okay. (laughs) Kind of stemmed the tide a bit against the Americans, but they weren't creating anything uh, offensively. Like I could probably count on one hand, the amount of times they were in that final third. So to see them at least, you know, really create those opportunities and you're seeing a lot of good connections and a lot of good breakouts. That's the positive for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously finishing has been an issue. Janine Becky had two glorious chances against the Americans. Um, and honestly, we've seen her finish those. She's usually very clinical in front of Nets. So, um, and to her credit, she completely owned up to them. And she posted on social media, she said, You know what? Those are on me. No excuses. I miss them. I'll do better. Um, right. Jessie Fleming, similarly, she had a couple of great chances uh, in the Argentina game. Great so,
0: chances,
2: yeah. yeah, again, class half full, they're creating the chances. They, they do have the personnel and the players on the pitch that we know can finish those. It's just, it's a matter of finishing them. So um, hopefully against Brazil, Brazil plays a little more wide open. And Canada often uh, seems to fare well against them just because at least from a defensive standpoint brazil doesn't tend to be as organized on their back line so that does create those openings for canada that they usually take advantage of so i think mm-hmm. we could see some some goals from canada in tomorrow's match
1: yeah 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 that was my last question the brazil preview so i'll save some of that for later but um were you did, i noticed a rather precipitous drop off in high quality chances between the american game and the and then the follow-up against argentina uh, was that just me? Was it because I, I was hungry and, 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 uh, you know, needed, needed a nap or, or do you agree with me? Like, I, I thought that they were very probing in the, in the first game, really, really good chances, lots of interplay, nice overloads. And then the Argentina game became a long ball hail Mary desperation. Uh, you know, it felt like I was watching the LA galaxy sometimes, like just <laughs> aimless crosses right. uh, to nobody in particular. Um, you know, and that that, that bothered me. I, I loved the goal, but I don't think I've seen an uglier one in a very <laughs> long time. So, uh, you know, uh, sort of rolling that into the Brazil preview, like what Team Canada do you think we're going to see for game number three?
2: I think it will be closer to the one we saw against the Americans. Again, maybe that's just me being optimistic. I think with Argentina, which you saw, um, Canada has difficulties and has had difficulties against those teams that just bunker down and play 10, 11 players behind the ball. Um, You see that in a lot of the CONCACAF tournaments where obviously teams do that against Canada just in hope and a prayer that they get something on the counterattack. And yeah, as I said, Canada's just historically, at least in recent years, they've really had trouble breaking through those low blocks, and as you said, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of, okay, play to the wings, cross it in, see what happens, and there's yeah. they're just lacking that that final touch or that final bit of creativity, or also just for someone just to be a bit selfish, just yeah, drive just, at their back line and, and take it themselves or just take that final shot. They're often looking to pass when they're in a scoring opportunity themselves. Um, so I think, yeah, looking ahead to Brazil, I think it will be closer to the americans first of all brazil is not going to bunker down they're not going to play that low block as i said they don't tend to be as organized on their back line um, as well the americans yeah obviously yeah. argentina that was their game plan so it's going to create a lot more opportunities for canada so i think we'll see a bit more from them offensively in that game
1: yeah i'm expecting a track meet. i mean uh mm-hmm. producer kev just said uh here i'll bring it up uh brazil is a 3-1 favorite to beat canada tomorrow do you agree with those odds? Seems a bit harsh.
2: Yeah, I, that is a bit harsh, I would yeah. say. Um, I know Canada, their two most recent matches against Brazil haven't gone well. Um, their, the Tournoi de France last year, it was a 2-2 draw. Canada did come back. They were 2-0 down, and they came back to tie in, I think it was the final 20 minutes of the game. So there was that. Before that, they lost 4 nothing to Brazil. That was just very ugly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was post-World Cup, and was not a good game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think Canada, historically, despite the two most recent results, they do, um, they fare well against Brazil. I think it lends to their style a bit, having a bit more more of an open game. It's always a physical battle, which I think often lends to Canada's strengths as well. So I I, I think it's, it's a bit harsh to say, <laughs> the, the odds given in that game. I think it's, again, Canada being underestimated a bit.
0: Agree. Yep. Both. both If I bet on sports, I would take
1: those odds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Both of those teams are tied in the FIFA world rankings, and I think Mm -hmm. they're both ranked seventh or eighth. So yeah, that does seem a little bit harsh. Um, Jeff, I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal your question here. And of course you are. Of course you are. I'm going to ask Megan. I want to ask you about Ben Priestman and the job that she's done so far. So sort Mm -hmm. of, can you give us a little bit of a Bev Priestman report card and, and what do you think? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um so far so good I will say um despite obviously the the struggles on offense that we've talked about um I think she's instilled a lot of confidence in the team and I think you really saw that against the Americans where um you know Bev For this past week, two weeks, she's repeated bravery, brave so many times Mm -hmm. um, in all of her media availability. And she said, you know, that's what I want from the players. And I think that's what you saw is that this Canadian team wasn't afraid of the Americans, um, despite all the all the hurdles piled against them, not having played for almost a year, missing, obviously, some very key players. Um, You know, they could have used all those excuses just to go out and like, ah, well, you know, we tried. Um, Mm -hmm. But you didn't see that. You saw them really take it to the Americans um, in a lot of ways. And I think with Bev, too, what we've seen so far, um, and I think she might be taking a page from – John Hardman's book a bit here, but just talking about bravery, she's not afraid to let those younger players on the pitch and give Uh them the opportunity. Now, part of that is just the roster realities right now. Again, missing key players in the last game. Quinn was injured. Obviously, Sheridan was injured. And Gilles has gone back to France now. Mm. So there were, you know, again, just this is what the players available to her. So letting them the opportunity. But I I think we will see more of that from Priestman where she's just. Going to to give it to her, give the uh, the chance to her young players, to the teenagers or the young cat players, and say, okay, go show what you can do.
0: And a lot Amazing. of them have stepped up. And you know, yesterday they were uh, against Argentina. It was Jade Rose getting mm-hmm. the start there at center back, eighteen year old. What she did you make great. of her? Yeah, what did you make of her? You know, start against Argentina there.
2: I really liked her. I thought, again, for talking about an eighteen year old, she yeah. looked incredibly poised. Um, again, Argentina probably didn't have a whole lot to do Oh, well, she didn't have a whole lot to do, but the, you know, when, when she was, uh, when she was called into action or even just her touches on their ball, uh, on the ball her passing, just very impressive. Again, we're talking 18 years old, her first cap. Um, yeah, I, would definitely be interested to, to see more from her and what she can bring.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy because Gilles is, is 24, Buchanan's what, 25, um, Do you know how old Zatorski is? Probably around the the same age. She's a
2: bit older. I believe she's 27 or 28. 27,
0: 28. But these girls still have years in front of them. But then Mm -hmm. you think of an 18-year-old trying to break into the squad. It just, it creates a good problem, I guess, to have. And that's going to be competition moving forward. And something we really haven't seen in the past of Canada. Um, I guess in in that line of, of thinking is... Are we entering sort of a new era where we're not going to see players come in at 18 and and play constantly throughout until, like, 33? Are we going to see a lot more turnover, do you think? Or do you think we're still going to see some of those household names that are established for decades?
2: I think we are definitely entering – a turnover for Canada or a new era. Uh-huh. Um, whether that happens pre-Olympics or post-Olympics kind of remains to be seen and what Bev Prieston wants to do with the roster. Um, but I know obviously Sinclair is a big question mark if this is her her last major tournament with the Olympics. You know, if anyone were to play into their 40s, it would be Christine yeah. Sinclair. But we'll see. That's completely up to her. Um, but I know Steph Labbe had said a few times last year that she's going to go to tokyo and then that's it for her she's retiring alicia chapman has had hinted at least before the 2019 world cup that that was her last world cup so we might be seeing her retire
1: interesting yeah she's my favorite i know i I mean my wife's name is alicia so (laughs) yeah uh, yeah yeah chappy is always
2: fun to watch for sure (laughs) um
1: who's the one that tweeted uh the real heroes of the argentina <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love her. Oh, totally! Yeah. I loved it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but you could even see, you know, longtime vets like Desiree Scott or Sophie Schmidt. Oh, no, man. I will say I think Sophie's looked uh, a bit slow in this tournament. Um, it's, it's a bit harsh, but I think about no, in the we game. Agree. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, when I think about the game against the Americans, when she subbed into the game and Quinn came out, there was a notable, noticeable Mm -hmm. difference in that game after that sub, Uh um, the American attack had a lot more fluidity to it. And one was able to do, what they wanted to do. Now that also has to do with the Americans with, having well, that crazy yeah. triple stuff, yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, look at who they're bringing on. Oh, report, yeah. You know, like Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, my goodness. like Yeah,
2: exactly. That's just yeah, the that's American just depth in a nutshell. <laughs> like, oh, you had those three players on the bench. Great, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah,
0: we're, we're so accustomed to seeing uh, Desiree Scott and Sophie Schmidt, you know, in that center of the park, but we were even talking about moving forward we don't know if that's the best option now for Canada because Mm -hmm. they have looked a little bit slower and the game is so much quicker now that players like Jesse Fleming look like absolute superstars with her Mm -hmm. ability to move around the pitch oh yeah um do you think that 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 central midfielder uh, that midfielder there's gonna be a lot of competition isn't there do you I guess my question is is there's no set I guess central pairing right now is there
2: no, there's not. I think you have Fleming. I think she's a lock for sure. Yeah. Um and then beyond that, yeah, there's there's a lot of competition not only like, as her partner, but even looking at the the holding midfielder role that Scott has held for how many years now? I think you could see a lot of competition. Quinn has slotted into that role before and they've done well there. Uh Julia Grosso who we haven't seen yet in this tournament, she's done well in that role in the past too. So, yeah, I think besides Fleming look Looking at that trio in the middle, it, it, as you said, it's completely up for grabs, I would say, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And even with the, the play of the fullbacks here at the tournament, it opens up some options for potentially Ashley Lawrence even moving mm-hmm. up and slotting into that central midfield. And just, I think the theme of this, this tournament is Bev, Bev Priestman's done a great job at, at having other players step up and he, it creates options for them moving forward, which, you know, heading into the Olympics, that's everything that we could ask for. Um, one last question for me, uh, before we let you go, and I want to ask a little bit more about Jesse Fleming and a lot of people were critical of her, um, staying in school for as long as she did and Mm, doing her four years there at, uh, um, I forget actually the school that she went to, but she did her four years there at university. And then she, she turned pro obviously at the age of 22 moving over to Chelsea. Do you think that has stunted her development a little bit? Or do you believe that you know she's still on track to be this absolute superstar?
2: Uh, I don't think it stunted her no. Um, I can understand the criticism for sure because I think you saw with her time at UCLA that she UCLA. was beyond the collegiate level for sure. she you know, she kind of used the phrase she was a woman playing with girls, I think mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but we we know, Uh, how important her schooling was to her and that she was going to finish her degree and all the credit in the world to her for that. Um, And I think, honestly, seeing her in these two games in the tournament, despite the fact that she's not getting a lot of minutes with Chelsea, I think training in that environment has helped her. I think you've seen it in those two games, especially, again, in that game against the Americans. I just think of that one sequence in the middle of the pitch where she was just literally going around all these Americans and it took Lindsay Horan literally rugby tackling her to stop her. Um, Like that, that's Jesse Fleming in a nutshell, right? That's what she can, she can bring for Canada. So I, I don't see her development being stunted at all.
0: Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. She's Mm -hmm. looked absolutely fantastic out there. And even against the Americans, she looked like one of the best midfielders out there and she's proven that she could play with the best of them. So, Super excited for me. Jeff, do you, do you have any more questions for Megan?
1: I mean, I was going to ask just maybe opening a can of worms, but safety Olympics <laughs> don't happen. What is the knock-on effect to the, to the program? Is it scorched earth? Uh, we're not playing again until everyone's vaccinated? Or do you see other opportunities? good one.
2: It is a good question. Um, And I'm not sure I have the answer for it. Um, (laughs) The, I guess the concern would be that, yeah, the Olympics don't happen, which are very much a question mark. If you look at what happened to Canada last year, they didn't have anything, no camps or anything while other teams, especially those top 10 teams were Mm -hmm. able to at least get a friendly in. There was obviously Euro qualifiers going on as well. So I would be concerned that, Canada would yeah just just remain off the pitch again and fall into that lapse again, obviously hope that wouldn't happen, especially as you would then look forward to okay, now we have world Cup qualifying coming up in a year, let's get ready for that um yeah. and i i don't have I don't have that answer for you for sure. um mm-hmm. it is it's a big question mark and it, it would be a concern that Canada soccer would just go, okay, no Olympics well. Let's have a a wait and see approach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What we were talking about was potentially, obviously, the problem with the Olympics is that there are so many sports and so many athletes from Mm -hmm. so many different countries coming together. What if it was just soccer, a Women's World Cup that was in a bubble where maybe uh, Canada, Argentina, United States, you know, have perhaps maybe 16 teams that can come together? It's obviously still a lot to overcome, but. It, it could be a potential solution if there is no Olympics to have a, a tournament in its place. That's just soccer. Um, would the Olympics hey, committee that, plan it? I don't think so
1: because it would be. Maybe so it's not Olympics. Maybe yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a,
0: you know, a different type of cup, but she believes to electric boogaloo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so important that these women continue to play, especially at Absolutely. the highest level. We, we see like, like they said, that it's a different level when they get up there. So,
1: we can take some comfort in the fact that that American game after that layoff, they still hit the ground running and they were very committed. So, oh, yeah.
2: absolutely, yeah.
1: We can definitely take some comfort in that. That even if there is another year layoff, which is not something any of us want to happen, at least we've we've seen some proof that it's not as horrific uh, in terms of set of uh, of uh, delaying de- development and things like that. So, yeah. You know.
0: That here's mm-hmm. the hoping we we don't have to cross that bridge. Exactly. Um, but anyways, Megan, the, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much oh, for coming and Insight was exactly yeah. why. Yeah, it's exactly why we yeah. wanted to have you on here. Awesome. I guess uh, thank ahead, you yeah.
2: guys so much. Really appreciate the invite.
0: Of course. And, we'll see
1: you soon. Yeah, Sounds we'll see good. you soon. Wow, that was uh, that was awesome. Good. Yeah, good of course. On that guest, Megan, really Megan Johnson. Megan Johnson. Uh, she does some
0: great work there for TSN. You can follow her on Twitter. Uh, I'll I'll spell her name out because it it is a little tricky, but I do recommend checking out her work. It's M-E-A-G-H-A-E-N, sorry. M-E-A-G-H-E-N Johnson. Um, Mm -hmm. You can follow her on Twitter. So... Let's move on. uh, Uh,
1: We're going to veto the talk of the new coaching staff until we get to know them a little bit better.
0: Yeah, really. It's worth (laughs) mentioning, though, and TFC obviously announcing their new coaching staff that's going to be joining Chris Armist on the touchline. Uh, you got Javier Perez, Ian Russell, uh, Ewan Sharp, and John Conway. Um, John Mm -hmm. Conway, obviously, with Toronto FC for a bunch of years as the goalkeeper coach, so it's good to see him back. Um, yeah, we'll see what the, these assistants do. Obviously, with assistants, we never have a good, really measurement of what they really do. And what? Well, they the really general do. consensus
1: from people that know that know the names of the players was that this was these are all great hirings. Um, cool. So, yeah, I mean, we'll leave it at that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's you got really a new sports science history, guy, so, yeah. which is great because here come the injuries. Here they <laughs> come. Uh, Justin Morrow properly re-signed with the club, even though it's not official. Same um, thing. He's got a calf issue. Uh, Achara, uh, you're just breezing crap. through, eh? <laughs> crap. Uh, Achara. Yeah, so that's that's crappy.
0: Let's let's talk about Justin more a little bit. And obviously, sure. he had he had his calf injury um, that held him out of the playoffs last season, held him out of you know a little bit towards the end of the year, and with everything that he was dealing off and on the field, I mean, no one really could fault him. 2021, start of it, you're going to see a little bit more of the same thing. Um, that being said, I, I do expect Justin Morrow to get fully healthy. I mean, he was, he was on this show and he was telling us how, how much he was ready to, you know, kind of come back and he's looking forward to, he still has a lot of juice left in it, is what he was saying. And I agree. It just, you yeah. know, we, we need to get him healthy first. And I think this is sort of that first step. It's probably still an injury that's lingering from last year. And once he's back, you know, fully healthy... Uh, let's get him going. So for now, I expect R.O. or Richie Larea to be manning down that, that left-back position. Kevin, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Along with, with Matt DeRosa there at the back, who's yeah. obviously the rookie that they drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, let's let's talk Achara, because Steve Buffery had this, this tidbit, which is great get, because um, we were all wondering about it, and we talked about this a little bit, but it looks like Achara's going to be out a few more months for Toronto FC as he's obviously recovering from an ACL injury that he suffered in July preparing for the MLS back tournament. Um, Any surprise there for you?
1: Not really because we didn't hear much about training and that sort of thing. So I started to get the inclination that he was maybe not at hundred percent health. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it still sucks to see it written out and, and therefore made official by virtue of being written out. Um, you know, out a few more months means when we play the Can Champ, he's not in the squad. Right. But uh, you know, we could we could get blessed with more COVID delays and and other shenanigans, and it may not be as big a deal as we're making it out to be here in the, here on February twenty third.
0: Well, yeah, I you think know? that's a thing. I mean,
1: he hurt
0: his ACL or his ligament in July, and mm-hmm. if you tear something like that. You're gonna be out close to a year.
1: Shed a tear right. for Jordan Morris.
0: That's just <laughs> yeah, seriously shed out Jordan yeah. Morris and sending him our oh, best wishes. But that sucks. <laughs> um, in terms of a char, like yeah, he is he was by all accounts sure ahead of schedule, but why why risk that with what, a twenty three year old? there's just no point in making sure he's ready for the first game of the season if if that's a risk. Mm-hmm. Give him all the time that he needs. He's he's gonna be a member of Toronto City for a long time is the hope. Get this guy fully healthy, and then you know get him going. Like ease him yeah. in. There's no need to yeah. rush Achara back. Um, so, yes, sure, disappointing that he won't be back for a few months. But at the same time, I'm happy that the club is being cautious on that note. Um, 100%. This kind of segues into I'll, I'm going to add something here, and we're, let's talk about um, Iowa Canola and mm. the Canadian National Team camp
1: that uh, the isn't here – but we need to mention his savage tweet because it was savage. But <laughs> <laughs> The preliminary <Just> got... <laughs> roster uh, for the
0: mm-hmm. men's Olympic qualifying was named. And there's 50 names, obviously, on each team. That's just the pool that they can choose from to draw what will be probably close to 20-something, 23, 24 names. Um, and on that roster, there were eight Toronto FC players. Um, 10, Ten CPL C- players? Ten Canadian yep. Premier League players, but Iowa No IO was omitted from that. And we took a look at the U.S.'s roster, their 50-player pool list that was named. No, and guess what? No Iowa Canola. So it got us scratching our heads a little bit and what's going on here with Iowa. And speculation at first was, as, as Mitch pointed, was that Iowa's was sort of waiting to, to make his decision because <laughs> he's obviously eligible to represent both the United States and Canada. Mm. And it got me thinking, though. Iowa Akinola missed January training camp with an injury, an undisclosed injury. And mm-hmm. obviously it was out of his control. He couldn't go to camp. He's still yet to partake in Toronto FC training camp. Uh, we learned that from Chris Armas last week, is that he's still recovering from an injury. Um, is this injury-related perhaps?
1: Probably. That
0: would be my bet because Probably. the Olympic qualifying takes place next month. And if Ayo Akinola is not on the field training, what are the odds he's going to be ready to to participate in, in Olympic qualifying for one of Canada or the United States?
1: Yeah, if if think, it's I my think. guess,
0: that there's there's a little bit more of an injury concern with Iowa Canola, which mm-hmm. is why I brought it up here. It's If Iowa is injured and Achara is injured, you're counting on Josie Patrick Ultimate. Mullins. Josie Patrick Elder, Mullins, and Jordan Perusa there up top to fill that void for the Canadian Championship, which is going to be a big game. And of course... Mm-hmm if he isn't ready for April, perhaps even the start of the season. And April 6th, 7th, is, is CONCACAF Champions League as well.
1: So, so instead of talking about Pozzuolo, can we talk about why TFC shouldn't sign Rafael Santos-Borre now that we're down to Josie Mullins and Perusa and, and and you you say we still don't need a number nine? <laughs>
0: yeah, you want me to get into that one? Um... Um,
1: well, I mean, okay, what did Pozzuolo say about Chris Armas? That he's great and that... If he was a coach tomorrow, he would be uh, a disciple of the Chris Armis School of, uh, of Medium Pressing. Do you think I've, yeah. I've covered so, all the bases?
0: So hold on. Yeah, yeah, hold on. But what I want to add on that note mm-hmm. of the Pozuela note of what he said about Chris Armis is, do you remember what Paz said at the end of last season? I'm tired? No. He said, if I was a coach, I would play my young guys a lot more. We have Liam, we have Jaden, we have Iam, we have a bunch of these young up-and-comers. And if I were a coach, I'd be playing. That was the exact quote. I'd be playing these kids more. And I wonder if if we're that's a hint towards what we're gonna see. Of course, Absolutely. It's probably Let's more likely. It. It's probably more likely. He's talking about the energy and intensity and and the level nah. that, that Chris is. Nah, yeah, he was making but subtle digs, like man. Idea a gonna... bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Free yeah. The oh, yeah. Owners,
1: oh yeah, me too. Baby. Free me, the too. me too. All right, bore. <laughs> That's hilarious. Bore, bore me with bore. Let's go.
0: All right, so this is this is a big one,
1: um, and it's, I'm just going to bring up this comment here since it uh, segued.
0: It's why, oh. obviously, Toronto FC have
1: been linked to Rafael
0: Santos Bore, and we've talked mm-hmm. about it on this show for weeks. Um, and here's why I think Toronto FC shouldn't sign Rafael Santos Bore. Sam Stacell of The Athletic, he, he had a lot of the details, but he reported more about the Under-22 Player Initiative, um, which is going to be implemented this season. It's not been finalized yet. The details haven't come out, but this, this is a report that he has. And on the details of the, the U-22 Player Initiative, it says that clubs are able to buy either one or... act in the buy, but name one or three players under that initiative which essentially it gives them a lower cap hit than what they're actually spending on the player. So hypothetically you could pay uh, a young player, 500, 600,000, but their cap, it only comes out in, at 150,000, let's say, right. Which, which is great. You can only, but you can only use three of those.
1: Okay. If
0: one of your designated players is under the age of 22. So in order
1: to activate the, the, the BOGO sale, One of your DPS needs to be uh, purchased at the regular price at the right age rate.
0: One of your DPS needs to be under the age of twenty-two. So right now, Toronto FC obviously don't have that. They have Alejandro Pozuelo, who's thirty years old, and and Mm -hmm. Josie Altier is about the same. So if if TFC go ahead and they they go ahead and they purchase Santos More, that at twenty-five flexibility from them because Mm -hmm. now they can only use one of those under twenty-two designated player spots and mm-hmm. the way that stamp station all worded it is: this initiative could be as game-changing one day as, as the, the designated beckham player in yeah. the beckham rule mm-hmm. and as the, the allocation market. the tam
1: gam thank you ma'am yeah, yeah so yeah.
0: if tfc they're a club who can spend if they want to maximize this rule then they would buy a third designated player who's under the age of of 22 years
1: old it's a it's a it's a smart play on paper. The thing that the thing that I'm laughing about right now is that two years ago, hey DFC uh, DFC TFC is pursuing a, a forward, a 25 year old forward DP. We'd all be doing backflips. I mean, Sever was 28 when he came in, but now that's not good enough. It's like no, no, no. We need to get him at the zygote stage because then we <laughs> unlock, you know, this and this and this. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously the machinations of it and what it means in terms of a roster spend, and bearing in mind the state of our academy, and that you know if we want to say uh, uh, pay Achara and I.O. over and above, we got to have a DP exactly. in the mix that allows for that. Which exactly, you know, is smart, but but it's a lot of hoops to jump through, Mike. And and at the at the very beginning of the of the obstacle course is who is this magical twenty one year old. Uh, uh, a DP worthy player. You know what I mean? And, and do we get to choose? I mean, is it going to be a number nine or is it a center back? Right? Like, and if it is a center back, are we so in love with the idea of gaming the system Bezbachenko style that we're willing to ta- to sign a 21 year old center back designated player and, and, you know, uh, re- you know, absorb the, so the it's, ire it's a, and the laughs of all the other clubs. And, it's the and, cost, you know. right?
0: It's, it, is this, it's this, is. Rafael santos Bori, he's going to, let's say he does, he's a type of player that would regularly command an, an eight-figure transfer Oh, fee, easy, easy. Right? So if he I is mean, that player, yeah. then it might just be worth foregoing the, the extra two maximum the uh, under-22 player initiative spots and just settle for the one and go ahead with santos Boré. And then when Joe's the outsider obviously, uh, when his contract ends up... And you see, that would be my plan, player,
1: in a in a cold, heartless... Lodge that would be my play. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be worrying about Bore. I'd be thinking about what happens when we've got Josie spot clear in, in, a, in a cold soapboxing, no emotion, totally logic. You know, because I'll put it this way Santos Bore was on par to be a 30 million euro player before the pandemic hit. And if you look at his transfer market value right now, he's a steal. He's a steal. Um, so, yeah,
0: that, 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 that's that, the cost-reward kind of thing.
1: And yeah, that, I mean, about. that may be enough to turn heads right now. I mean, the fact that you can get a guy who's three years younger than Sebo was when he came in and lit the league on fire, at, you know, in a number nine position for so much less than what he would have been worth uh, in in the normal times. For sure. That might trump ball. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen… The latest the latest stuff out of Argentina is that he's re-signing with River, so this might mm-hmm. be a completely useless conversation anyway. Um,
0: but it is. But, I, I did want to highlight this because this could mm-hmm. be what the delay is with with what you know Chelsea's sure. t- decision to to get a new designated player. Do they go younger? Absolutely. Or do they you know get someone in, in their prime right now? And absolutely, it, I it's, mean, it's one that know. that they're going to have to talk about, and it's one that that in my opinion. I, with with the up and coming young talent that Toronto FC have on, on their roster, they might have time to perhaps buy a year or two without using it, and then perhaps use
1: it on one of the younger guys. Well, do we get five spots if we if we sign a twenty one year old now, and then when Josie's out, we sign another twenty year old? Like, <laughs> no, is it, it is doesn't it,
0: work. It's it's, oh, either, it's either three or one, from my understanding. Ah, for based on standards, nah, I'm, I'm writing
1: them a strongly worded letter. I want, so, I want more.
0: <laughs> if that if that's if that's like your barriers there, it's it's an interesting debate at least because mm-hmm. you could see it going either way because if tfc want to maximize their spending the way to do that is is getting these young designated yeah players, absolutely right without question uh, or without young question. u22 initiative players and it's a very interesting point there,
1: so. very interesting point and uh i mean how does this affect uh eric <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it does it really does yeah. doesn't it his his mm-hmm. leash is, is becoming shorter and shorter, and we saw again Steve Buthrey with getting a quote from Ali Curtis about Erickson Gallardo, and Ali Curtis was saying that he's going to explore all options essentially, mm-hmm. and that means a potential loan move, and that also means perhaps giving him an opportunity under a new head coach and Chris Armis. And
1: yeah, um, I think we got it. We got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I love to rag on him. He's he's my Zavoletta, but uh, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, see, see what, see what happens. New, new season, new coach, new support staff, uh, possibly a new system, mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. uh, with Achara out indefinitely, once again, uh, EG's been given an opportunity. Uh, Seriously, so- he wears that number nine.
0: He wears that number nine shirt. So perhaps EG is, is a dark horse to emerge as someone who could, you know, make a
1: difference perhaps early on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you I mean if you want to keep it civil, let's move on to the next. <laughs> um,
0: uh, great tidbit from mm. Chris Armis's media availability last week. And honestly, perhaps one of the most surprising tidbits is Toronto City and Montreal might be having a preseason friendly um nice. before the Canadian Championship. Uh according to Armis, Montreal's been more than helpful and more than willing to help tfc prepare for that canadian championship final uh perhaps it'll, it's a little bit of scratch my back i'll scratch yours uh later on down the road but yeah that was surprising to see from you know our, our toronto's biggest rivals being so so grateful i mean perhaps it's it's or generous perhaps it's the ramification of what 2020's brought and everyone just has to be
1: nice to each other now or they're going to lock us in the Stade Olympia and then we won't be able to play it for <laughs> They'll be like, we don't know where TFC went. Here's Sammy Piet and, and and the B-Squad. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they, they're courting Toronto fans because most of the previous Impact fans want nothing to do with the club now post-rebrands. So. I want to talk about that a little bit too. What did I know, you think, why, yeah, what did you think why, about
0: that club-to-foot rebrand, man?
1: Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I feel uh, like I feel i feel terrible for them i really i feel i feel terrible for the for the fans i really really do like um you know to 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 get that to get that in the mail you know to get that piece of coal in your stocking uh uh that hurts it hurts and 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 the, the kit's horrific i mean i know some people <laughs> like it i'm just happy that we're not getting that 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 new refined the BMO. New BMO logo oh, yeah. oh it's so terrible um, you can tell we're not in yeah,
0: Montreal uh, Impact. We're club to foot
1: Montreal show, but, guys. You know, I, love like, our, I love our rivalry. I love it. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah, so the much. great. And I, I love Especially sports hate when it's I love Montreal. Montreal's a hell of a city, man. Montreal's a great love place Montreal. to go. For great weekend. food. Great food, great culture. I mean, it's so wonderful to have a city, like, to have a province like that in, in mm-hmm. our, our own backyard.
0: It's a cute, terrible soccer team. <laughs> That's the only thing, and and,
1: and okay. they don't seem to give much of a crap about, uh, uh you know, appeasing their fan. It's a, it's a standard problem, and, and words enough words. Yeah, it's always chasing the unicorn of new fans, right? Like we don't we don't care about what we've got because we're looking over the horizon and we see it, you know. And and again, we're just we're just parroting what what other people have said, and this is now an older argument. Um, but you know, it's nice to see the fans take a stand Uh, you know, if if TFC had done that to us, I think we would be just as inflamed. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice to do that to us. Come on. Well, I mean, you could have asked an impact fan and they might've said the same thing, but, but uh, you know, more, more power to them. I, I, I think the eventuality is, you know, club to foot is here to stay. Uh, But uh, it's it's not, it's, it's nice to see uh, people, not afraid to be pissed off and, and not afraid to hold the feet of their club to up against the fire. Um, yeah, I, think on that was, note, I think it was boneheaded. Yeah.
0: On that note, thank you very much again to
1: Montreal for, for offering to help us out on, yes.
0: um, you know, that friendly. really yeah. appreciate that, but your rebrand. Yes.
1: And please us. keep Terry Henry long enough until I can actually see him at a game coaching you because, it, do you, mind? you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, why is Seba and Greg Vanny and Seba going to Los Los Angeles Galaxy? Why is Greg Vanny trolling us? Why is he doing that? I know. <laughs> I know. Why is We've he? We've seen it us? so
0: many times. He's so smart with his words. He just I think, like he said, he talked in circles for about a minute and didn't mm. really confirm or deny anything. It's um, not happening.
1: It's not even it, even even the fact that it's the Ellie Galaxy and that the rules keep getting remade for them—it's not happening. The amount of money they would have to outlay. Uh, now I'm starting to feel like I'm you guys when I said Greg <laughs> <and he's laughs> that's what I'm saying. Be <laughs> careful!
0: Don't walk down that
1: road. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't want—I don't want to talk about that anymore because it sucks and I'll be—it's—it's just—it's sucky and. and yeah. Well, one thing no... I
0: will say is it's very yeah. unlikely that it does happen because Ellie Galaxy currently have two of their designated player spots taken. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is likely going to go to Christian Pavone whenever they can get that situation
1: settled. Um, yeah. So if Seba if, goes to LA Galaxy on Tam, he, after yeah, leaving I, us the, because I, we weren't willing to pay, I will riot. All right? that's what I, mean. I will riot.
0: I, that's, that's I okay. don't even want to entertain <laughs> that
1: because I doubt it's
0: even a a thing, but. Anyways, Jeff, we've we've ranted on for about an hour here. Um, yeah, we should probably wrap it up. This is we what we need Mitch. Probably for. do that. Right? Um, Something uh, like
1: that. Uh, raise a toast to Jordan Morris. This Seriously. Super duper sad. Um would you say that's the end of his European adventure? I hope
0: not. Me I too. I hope not. I mean but he is only twenty five years old, but he's had he's
1: busted both ACLs now.
0: Yeah. Seriously, but the good thing is, like, the, his last ACL, he came back from super strong. And he came shown, back
1: arguably a better player.
0: He's shown he's capable of bouncing back. It just, yeah, it breaks my heart to, to see that happen to him. Obviously, yeah. again, we send our condolences and wish him the best there in his yeah. recovery. Um, and yeah, just a, a massive
1: week for the Canadian Women National. Yeah, movement. we're Happy not going to touch we... the the CanPL stuff this week, or we'll be on here for another forty five. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, that was a smart choice. Um, <laughs> who's going to be Mitch? <laughs> you want to be Mitch for the? Uh, <laughs> just sign the us step? off, Jeff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, sure, I'll, I'll snap up. Anyways, um, yeah. So thank you everyone for for joining us here today. Appreciate you guys taking the time, bearing us uh, with us without our third Musketeer. <laughs> um shout out to our producers sophia kevin and edwin for the, for the words that he's right and i want to give a special mm-hmm. shout out there to edwin because yeah he's been putting doing some great work at waking the red on oh, yeah. these shows and turning some great articles around from these shows um
1: so yeah we almost had 100 for, for a second one 100 100 comments on the thread i think we are something like that and you know i think he's KG gonna break was... i think he's gonna break the century club on his second his second uh his second hit out of the gate so uh, going? Great yeah. show,
0: great show, <laughs> um, and yes, thank you again to Megan Johnson for joining us, and she was absolutely fantastic. There's a big Canadians the National Team match tomorrow; they're taking on Brazil. Uh, make mm-hmm. sure you tune in that one. Alfonso Davies plays in Champions League later today, so make sure eyes on the, on the eyes on the screen for that one. But
1: mm-hmm. Arsenal, know,
0: Arsenal play, uh, play yeah. No one on cares. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm Michael saying this is Jeffrey on behalf of Jeffrey Pinesker uh, have a great week everyone thanks for joining us cheers <laughs>